you know, I'm just talking smack. And so I go to get in my Jeep and I start driving down the road and like three miles down the road, it breaks again. <laughs> I'm just not the sharpest dude, but I've got big dreams in my life. And, and I don't know about you guys, maybe you feel like, man, I'm not the sharpest person in the world. You know, I'm a few fries short of a happy meal or I'm not the smart, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. But that's how I felt all of my life, you know, and I, I grew up pretty much in the South. I pretty much grew up in, on the other coast of Florida. And, you know, we're just not that smart on this for some reason in the state of Florida. That's what they say. We're, we're like one of the dumbest states in the, in the union. We're like right behind like Louisiana and like Mississippi. So if you're from those states, I apologize. You know, you're just a little bit further down the, the totem pole than we are, but you know, we're just not that bright. And so, you know, I, I, I thank God that God looks beyond our, our, our ordinary senses and sees something extraordinary in our lives. And I believe that today God wants to, us to recognize that, you know what, just because we have some ordinary tendencies, just because we don't have it always all figured out, that God wants to do something incredible in my life. And I, I remember growing up thinking, man, I cannot wait to get out of here because I believe that God wants to do something incredible with my life. I remember growing up and, and my parents were divorced and, and, and just going through school and just saying, you know what, someday I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to do something significant with my life. And, and, and I don't know about you guys, maybe you experienced the same thing where you were just saying, you know what, I didn't grow up in the best area. Maybe I didn't have the best upbringing. Maybe I didn't have all the luxuries of life, but I believe that there's something more that's out there. And all I ever wanted to do was get out so I could see what that was. But, but and even though that a lot of the things that I tried, man, I thought I was going to get out through being an athlete. Last week I talked about how I had a college football scholarship and that didn't really work out very well for me. I thought that that was going to be the way that I was going to make it out. You know, that I was going to become a professional football player and play for one of the teams in the Super Bowl. How many of you guys are going for the Giants today? How many of you guys are going for the Patriots? How many of you guys just don't really care? You're just glad there's football on? All right, I just, I just was checking. I would play for any of them. I don't really care, you know, just, um, but I thought that that was going to be the way that it was. The reality is, is that that didn't work out, but that never stopped this desire from within me to live a, a life that was greater than what I currently was at. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that, that all of us have a desire within us not to just live an ordinary mundane life, but all of us really want to live this upgraded life, which is an extraordinary life, don't we? I mean, I, I, wanna, I wanna be a great husband. I wanna, I wanna be a great pastor. I wanna be a great friend to other people. I wanna be a great helper to those in need. I don't wanna go through my life and just be ordinary. I don't wanna just let mediocrity define my life. You know, I don't want my wife to come at the end of my life and go up to my casket and say, you know what? He was just an average husband. Or I don't want my friends to come up and say, you know what, he just really took up a lot of space. Or God to say, TJ, who? You know, I don't, I don't really want that to be the end all goal. Uh, the reason I continue to desire to run after God and pursue God is because I believe that God doesn't have a desire for me just to live an ordinary, boring life, but he has something extraordinary for each and every one of us of our lives. And uh, he desires for you and I to live greatly, to have a purpose and to have a plan and to pursue that with all of our hearts and all of our desires. And listen, Jesus didn't, didn't come and live this uh, uh, amazing life and didn't die on the cross and, and, didn't, and didn't go and suffer for other people and didn't do all those things so we could just be ordinary. 
He didn't do all that so we could just live a boring life. He came and did those things so that we could have an extraordinary life, so that we could have a life like we had always dreamed of. The desires that God had put within us were not just put there so that we could go around and be, take up space. The reality is, is that God has got a purpose, he's got a plan, and he does not intend for you and I to wander through life hoping that one day we figure it all out. But God has been intentional, he's been pursuing us, and he wants us to know that he has got something great for each and every one of us. And God wants us to live this life. And let me just tell you, the person that's out there that thinks, you know what, I'm just normal, I'm just ordinary, I don't really have much going for me. All throughout the, the word of God, God uses ordinary people. He uses the goofy, the stupid, the stutterers, the lame to go and do great things because they trusted him that he could do something greater from within them. And they were willing to pursue that greatness. And listen, the, the living this life that God intends for us isn't based on geography. It isn't based on whether you're, you're married, if you're a single person around there, or whether you're, you, you should be single if you're married, or it isn't based on how much money you make or what kind of career you have. What it's based on is a belief that you know that God can do something awesome with, with your life that you currently have. I love what Acts 4.13 says. It says, and it was the disciples, and it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It says, what was happening is that we're in the book of Acts and, and signs and wonders and all kinds of amazing things are happening. And right here, what had happened is, is Peter and John had just healed a guy and then they're standing before all the council of the Sanhedrin and, and all the 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 ministers of that time and they're trying to shut them up about what Jesus is doing through their lives and, and, and as John and Peter started talking they realized that man these were some stupid people I mean that's the reality they realized that these were some unschooled what they meant is there is some uneducated they were uneducated you know they couldn't spell they didn't have much going for them all they had going for them is they knew how to fish you know, and they realized where they were from. And they said, you know what? There's something different about these people. And the thing that was different is they had been with Jesus. And they believed that because they had been with Jesus, Jesus had imparted something spectacular within their life that was life-changing, that was, that was life-shaping, that was gonna transform everybody. And because they believed that, everybody else took notice. And you have to believe that you can live this extraordinary upgraded life that God has for you. The disciples did this and the, the disciples just truly believed. And somewhere these disciples, even though they understood their humanity, they also knew that that even though they were ordinary, that they were just some normal guys, but because they had spent time with Jesus and they believed in Jesus and they believed that the power of God was within Jesus and if they trusted in him, that they could do extraordinary things, that God would show up and they would do the supernatural and they would see their ordinary lives change from just being these normal people to doing something supernatural for God. And today I believe that for you and I, they lived this extraordinary life because they believed and God wants us to have the same kind of life. He just needs us to trust and to believe and to dive in and say, you know what? I believe that that's what we can do. And, and if you wanna know what the secret to living an extraordinary life, this upgraded life is, then all you gotta do is dive in here in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. If you wanna turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, we're gonna be spending some time there. 
if you can look on your notes, you can look on the screen. Also, there's a QR code um, in your notes. It's a little squiggly thing up in the right-hand corner. If you have a smartphone, you can take out your phone and scan that and read through the notes. There's all kinds of notes on there. But what happened is, is, is if we read this verse, it's going to give us some ideas of how we can really grasp hold of living this extraordinary life. And it says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And so right here, Paul is trying to give us some perspective, trying to give us some idea of how do we really grab hold of this extraordinary life? How do we really take hold and live this life that God intended for our lives and upgrade our lives? And it says right here that number one is we should realize God's perspective. We should realize God's perspective. In verse one there, it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. And I want you to circle God's mercy right there. If you would in your notes or in your Bible, wherever you feel comfortable. And that literally means in his heart of compassion. I think most people have a warped view of how God sees our life. I think most of us come to God and we have this warped view of how he sees us, how he uh, responds to us. In fact, I had this warped view all growing up. My parents, um, they were involved in a local church. I, m because my parents were divorced, I wasn't really spending much time with my mom and my mom was a Christian, my dad was not. And so when I would, I was with my dad 90% of the time. So when I'd go visit my mom, she'd always wanna take me to church. And I didn't wanna go to church because I thought if I walk into that church building, God is gonna get me. God is going to get me. He doesn't know what I've done. I mean, he does know what I've done. That's why he's going to get me, you know. And I would think that, man, if the, the moment I step in there, it's going to be like the wizard of, what have you done? Or what do you want? You know, and just scare the crap out of me. God, just don't kill me. I don't know. I don't know how I would have responded there. But that was my perception of God. My perception of God was he was this God that was big and bad and bold. And he was just out to get me. And so many times we have this, this idea of that's who God is, or we think that God is out there and, and he's talking about this brochure of what could be and should be for your life. It's like a brochure for a vacation. He's like, man, this vacation here, you could go to the Bahamas and, and there's gonna be tropical lush greenery everywhere. And there's gonna be people walking around and serving you. And you look at the brochure and you say, man, that's so awesome. I would love to do that someday, but I'm never gonna be able to do that. That must be for those rich people. That must be for those good people because I'm not that person. Therefore, I can never get that. Come on now. We all have looked at God that way where we say, you know, God's over there and what he wants is over there, but I'm never good enough for that. There's no way I could ever attain that. There's no way that I could ever see myself in that picture. I remember a, a couple of years ago, um, my wife, uh, growing up, she didn't get the opportunity to travel a lot. My, my family, we, we traveled a lot. And one of the things that my family always used to do is we always used to go to New York City for the summer. We'd go to New York City and, and my mom would actually take me school shopping in New York City as a kid. And so I thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. And after we got married, I was talking to my wife and I was talking to her about New York City. And she's like, I've never been to New York City in my life. And I was like, really? Someday I'm going to take you there. And so, so one, one year I, I told her, sweetheart, this year, our family vacation, I'm taking you to New York city. And she got so excited and she got on the internet and she started looking at all the things that she could do. And 
Well, I told her the hotel we were staying at, we were going to stay on Fifth Avenue in this Hilton there. And so she's looking at the Hilton, checking out the rooms that we're going to have. And she got a map of New York City and she was mapping out everywhere she wanted to go and thinking about all the different activities that we could do. And, and so, you know, it looked great. The brochure was amazing. But as soon as we flew there and landed, everything in that brochure came to life. And I remember getting there and she's like, this is awesome. You know, she was just jacked up. And I said, sweetheart, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We can do anything you want. And I know the thing that you want to do is shop. So we can shop whenever you want, however long you want, for as long as you want. And she's like, really? And so we'd be walking around. And she'd be like, can I go in that store? And I'd be like, yeah. And we'd go in there and she'd buy a whole bunch of stuff. And we'd come back out and she'd be like, can I go in that store? Yeah, you can go in there. And my goal was to see if I could wear her out from shopping. Let me just tell you, you can't do that. <laughs> but what went from being all these pictures and all these ideas to reality, all of a sudden she's like, New York is like my favorite city in the world, you know? Because she got to experience it. She got to recognize that that was the opportunity that she can have. She didn't just have to look at it. She could go, actually go and see it and touch it. And God's plan for our life is just like that brochure, man. He has got some amazing things. And so many times we're looking at it saying, you know what, that can never be. But God is saying, man, I want you to experience that kind of life. Man, there are great things for you. And the, the reality is, is that the cost of that life has already been paid for when Jesus died on the cross. That has already been paid for. The ticket's been bought. All you got to do is take hold of it and start walking it out. You got to realize that God has a different perspective for you. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea how amazing of a life God wants for us. We're so busy living in our ordinary lives, we think this is all that we can have. And God's got is saying, man, I've got all of this for you. It's kind of like the show Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Anybody watch that show? It can make me cry every single time. I know what's going to happen. They're going to give somebody a home and they're going to love it, but I want to cry anyways. I'm, I'm a girl. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but what happens, they go to and they find this family and they sit down with the family and they talk to them. And they say, so what do you like? What do you need? You know, what are the things that are important to you? And these designers, they take down all these notes and then they send the family off on a vacation of a lifetime. And throughout the week, they build this house based on all of those notes. And when they come back, they're standing behind a bus. And what do they say to the bus? Exactly. They say, move the bus. And the family's, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. It's everything I wanted. Of course it is, because you told them what you wanted. But God is, those things that, he's, that are within their hearts are things that God has put within our heart. Those things that we desire a lot of the times are the same things that God has put within us. And we're just missing his perspective because we're so focused on what is instead of what could be. And so you and I, instead of just going through life, living this ordinary, normal life, we got to realize that God has got a completely different perspective than what we're looking at. But on that same front, we got to recognize that the responsibility for that life is mine. The responsibility for living that life is mine. Romans says this, it says in, in verse 1, the back end, it says, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. God has this amazing life full of wonderful plans for you. And there are so many possibilities for your life. And God wants to do greater things than he's ever done in your life this year. And things that you could never imagine. 
but it does not happen automatically. This isn't some name it and claim it like, oh God, I want this and God's gonna automatically do it. We've gotta realize that we have got to accept responsibility. God says, offer yourselves. That means we gotta take some effort ourselves and we gotta, there's some things that you and I have got to do in order to walk out that life. It's not something that we just say, God, I want this. It's not rubbing a genie in a bottle. And all of a sudden you get what you want because that isn't how God works. But it's something that we have got to do. I love what Hosea 10, 12 says this. It says, plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness and reap blessings that your devotion to me will produce. It is time for you to turn to me, your Lord, and I will come and pour out blessings for you. I want you to circle a couple words in this verse. It says, pour out blessings, circle pour out blessings. We all want God's best for our life, don't we? We all want God's blessings. Does everybody out there want God's blessings? Come on, show of hands. For all of you guys that aren't raising your hands, you are full of crap. You know you want God's blessings. You wouldn't be here. You, no, God, I just want you to punish me. Anybody here coming to church just saying, God, I want you to punish me. Okay, that's what I thought. We all want God's blessings. We want that extraordinary life, but this is the reality. This book, this book right here that we read and we take everything that we're learning from, the Bible, it has over 7,000 promises in it. Things for you and I that we can claim and have hold in our life. But with every promise is a premise. What that means is that there's something we have to do in order to enact that promise in our life. There's some activity, there's some responsibility that we have got to take and circle in that verse. It says, plow, plant, and turn. There are some verbs there that God is saying, you know what, you've got to plow and you've got to plant and you've got to turn. That means there's going to be some work that you're going to have to do in your life in order to enact the blessings of God. So my question to you is, is what are you planning to harvest this year? 365 days from now, when you look at your life and you say, how is my life different? What does that look like to you? What does that look like for your life? Maybe for some of you, how many of you guys would like to be closer to God this year? Man, you would like to take your relationship to an HNL, a whole nother level. And I don't care that it isn't spelled right because I'm from Florida. <laughs> That's right. Maybe some of you guys are saying, man, I want to be debt free this year so that God can bless my life and I can be able to give freely to other people. Maybe there's some of you guys that are out there that are saying, you know what, I wanna be in better physical shape this year. Anybody else out there wanna be in better physical shape? I mean, rounds of shape, right? I mean, that qualifies, I'm, but besides round. Maybe there's some of you guys that are out there and are saying, you know what, I'd like to have better relationships and more fulfilling relationships this year. Man, if you're gonna have a different life this year, there's gonna be some things that you're gonna to have to do differently in life this year. And notice it says, plow new ground. Circle the word new. It says, it's saying to us, don't plow up the old ground. Don't keep doing the same things you've been doing year in and year in and year in and expecting some different results in life. They're saying, you're gonna to have to change some activities in life. You're gonna to have to do some new things. You're gonna to have to see your life change. So if you're wanting your finances to get in order and you've never trusted God before, there's probably a reason your finances aren't in order. You need to start trusting him and saying, God, I'm gonna put you first and watch your finances change like that. If you're wondering why your relationships are all crappy and you look around at all your friends and their lives are all 
all crappy, there's a good chance you should probably get some new friends. You should make some changes in your relationship around people that you want to be like and you like how their life looks and say, I'm going to be friends with them and see those relationships start to change. It's not just staying and doing the same thing over and over again, plowing that old ground, but God's saying there are some new things, there are some new changes, there are some new turns that you need to take in your life so that you can have the life that you have always dreamed of. And I love what Eric, Eric Hoffer says in, in the book, The Ordeal of Change. He says, people will cling to an unsatisfactory way of life rather than, 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 than to change to get something better for the fear of ending up worse. He says, I know this is not working and I know this isn't what I want to do with my life, but I'm too afraid to change because I might make matters worse. And so many times, instead of changing our activities, we get afraid of wondering what will happen if we do that. But this is the reality. What happens if we don't do that? What happens if we don't change? The only person that likes change is a wet baby. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> None of us like change. It's never a fun process, but the reality is, is God is saying, we've got to do some new things if we're going to get some new results in our lives. And, and notice the results of plowing new ground. It says, plow new ground for yourselves, plant righteousness, and reap the blessing your devotion to me will produce. God says, you'll reap a blessing from me. He said, you're not going to reap it from other people. He said, you're going to reap those things from me when you're devoted to me. And then I'm going to come and pour out a blessing on you. When you get those things in the right order here, then everything out here is going to start to change. But so many times we want these things to change and then we'll go to God. And God's saying, no, 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 that's not how it works. And this is what I want to dare you to do. I want you to dare you to do something different with your life this year. I want to challenge you to don't let this just be another ordinary year. Make your life count. Do something that's going to take you towards the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. Plow some new ground. Don't let it just be ordinary. Don't let it just be normal. Do something different and say, God, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to run after you. I'm going to go after something new. And I know that because I'm trusting you in this. God, you're going to do something extraordinary in my life. Listen, you're as close to God as you want to be right now. You're as close as you, you want to be to him based on you can choose when you want to talk to him or not. You can choose how much of his word you want to get into and learn about him. Where you're at in your life is a decision that you have made. That is your responsibility. As much as I would like to say, man, it's our responsibility as a church to, to feed you and do all those things. This is one meal out of seven times three, 21 meals out of a, a week. One meal a week is not going to sustain you in life. And so we've got to take some responsibility. And you, if you want to know, God, why are you so far from me? Check out who's moved. Check out who's moved. I heard the, about this story about this couple. They were in their car and, and there was another car in front of them and there was this older couple sitting in the back and they were looking ahead and there was this young couple sitting uh, in front of them and, and the guy had his arm around his, his girlfriend and they were just like making out like crazy in the car. And, and, his, and the old woman turned to her husband and said, why don't we do that anymore? And he just turned to her and said, who moved? Who moved? And some of you guys are wondering why you're not experiencing the things with God that you used to experience. And my question to you today is who moved? Because this is what I know about God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change and he does not move. The only people that move are us. And it's time for us to take some responsibility of what God has for our lives and recognize that, you know what, if we're not where we should be, 
then it's probably because we moved away from where God is. And if you're in a crisis right now, let me just tell you, hang in there. If you're going through some tough times right now, keep pressing on. Don't run from it. Don't try to escape it, man. Keep pushing through. Because so many times the breakthrough comes in the, in the most unopportune times. It seems like when it's the hardest, that's when God's about to do the greatest thing in your life. But so many times we give up before that. And I love what Galatians 6, 9 says. It says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. If we don't give up, circle the word proper time. You and I, we don't know when the proper time is. We think we have an idea of when the proper time should be, don't we? Like the proper time should be when I say it is. But the proper time for God a lot of times is when we get to the point where we surrender all to him and say, you know what, God, I give it all to you. And we've got to recognize that most of the problems that we're facing in life did not happen overnight. So that we're probably not going to get out of them instantaneously. We, it took us a long time to get ourselves into that problem. It's going to take us a while to get ourselves back out. But there's got to be some change that takes place in our lives. We got to keep sowing the right things in our life. We got to keep doing the right things in our life because it says we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up, if we don't quit, if we don't give in to all that. The church that uh, my wife and I came from is called Bayside Community Church. And uh, when we, right before we left, we had just purchased 40 acres of land and we're about to build a, a brand new building. We were, we were a portable church like this for uh, almost eight years and we were running thousands of people through an elementary school and a cafetorium and it was, it was ridiculous. And, and so we, we bought this 40 acres and it was originally an orange grove. And, um, and so we decided we were gonna do like a big event out there. And so for some reason I got put in charge of clearing um, about 10 acres of land. And I was like, man, this is the worst job in the world. So, but because I, I'm not the smartest guy, I understand country terminology. I had to go get all my friends with bush hogs and John Deere tractors and all those things. And we went redneck and uh, we got on our cowboy hats and stuff. And we went out there and we were mowing away. And, and as we were mowing this eight, these, these 10 acres of land to clear out some room, um, I noticed all these orange trees that were there that were pretty much barren. And as I looked around, I, I thought, man, why are, why are all these orange trees? Why, man, why isn't there any fruit here? And it's because they had been neglected. Somebody had stopped caring for them. Somebody had stopped uh, nurturing them. Somebody had stopped trimming them back. Somebody had stopped harvesting them. And because, because there was no activity on them, they had stopped bearing fruit. The potential to bear fruit was still there. All they needed was a little bit of care, a little bit of nurturing, a little bit of watering, and a little bit of time. And they would have came right back. And the tr- same thing is true for our lives as well. We got to sow seeds and then we got to water it and then we got to nurture it and we got we to care for it. And it takes some time, but eventually we reap a harvest if we stay committed to that thing. And so many times we're, we're going out and we're playing the what if game. Well, well, what if my boss hooked me up like this? Or what if my parents would have done that? Or what if my kids were like this? Or what if the church did that? And we play this what if game instead of just saying, you know what, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to change the direction of my life based on the attitude and the thoughts of my heart and the attitude of my mind. And I'm going to move forward and take the responsibility for what my life is because my life is not a dictation of what happens in other people. My life is a dictation of the decisions that I make. And let me just tell you something, man, Coastal, our, God has given us an incredible opportunity in this community. 
I believe that, that this year is going to be an incredible year of, of harvest. We've been planting and we've been sowing and we've been, we've been uh, tilling up ground, believing that God is going to do breakthrough in people's lives like he's never has before. In fact, I'm going I'm to share some things right here that I sh- shared with some of our, our leadership, one, one leadership meeting. And I'm believing God for some incredible harvest this year in our church because we've been doing a ton of sowing. We've been doing a ton of, of planting. We've been doing a ton of tilling up ground, believing God that God is going to bring a harvest. Amen. We're believing that this year we're going to see God do incredible things. We're going to see over 250 people give their lives to Christ this year. I believe that with all of my heart. In fact, last week we had over 22 people raise their hands and say, you know what, I'm going to commit my life to God just not being my Savior but being my Lord. And that's what God wants to do. Come on, if you can't get excited about people getting fired up for Jesus, then you got something wrong with you. Man, we're going to believe God for a harvest, and we're going to stay committed to it, and we're not going to give up because it's so easy to say, you know what, that's, that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to win people for Christ rather than just steal them from other churches. But we don't care about stealing people from other churches. They need to stay at other churches. We need your lost friends, your lost family, your lost coworker. We need them to find Christ, and we need your help, and we need you to stay committed to that, and we need you to, to dive into the vision and say, you know what, I'm going to give more this year. I'm going to step up. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to invite more people. I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to start to parent my kids better than I've ever parented them because I want them to grow up in the ways of the Lord. And we've got to take responsibility and believe that God wants to do amazing things in our lives. And we've got to stay committed to those things rather than giving up when it starts getting hard. And if we do that, we will see God do a greater thing than we've ever seen before. We'll see him start to do some extraordinary things within our church, within our body, within your personal homes, within your personal lives, within your relationships with God. If we stay committed and we say, you know what, the responsibility is mine. And then finally, we need to reset our focus this year. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to begin to live the extraordinary life, I believe it begins with the way that we think. I believe it, it begins with the way we, we understand and how we perceive those things and what we think in our minds. The second part of that verse says, it says, his, it's talking about God's will. It says his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. That word perfect right there, it means exceptional or extraordinary. See, God has got an exceptional or an extraordinary will for your life. He's got something amazing for you. But we've got to reset our focus from all the things that we want to the things that God wants. We've got to start thinking on those things. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. The thoughts that are going through your mind. Because your life is shaped by those things. Basically what he's saying is the way you think determines the way you feel. And the way you feel determines the way you act. If you want to change your actions in life, don't just, don't just scrunch up your willpower trying to change it. But change the way you think and it will change everything in your life. You know, if you're acting depressed and, and, and down in life... It's because you're thinking depressed and, and downing thoughts. If you're, if you're thinking, you know what, I'm a loser or I'm fearful, you know what, it's because you're thinking fearful or loser thoughts. It's not because you are, it's because you're allowing your mind to dictate 
your emotions and your emotions are dictating your feelings and your feelings are dictating your actions and all of a sudden you're taking something on that was never meant for you. And I don't know about you, but when I hang around certain people, it stirs up some th- certain things within me. And so we need to recognize the people that we're hanging ar- around with. I, just a couple of months ago, a guy named Stocker McDougall that's in our church, he's a former NFL player, he called me up and said, hey, man, you want to coach some football with me? And all of a sudden, I got jacked up about coaching football, you know, because you, anytime an NFL guy says, like, hey, do you want to do something with me? Yeah, I'm game, you know. Um, and so I'm like, man, I would love to do that. And I started telling Shayla, man, how, I would love to go, you know, coach some football with Stock. And she's like, that, that's cool. Where are you going to find the time to do that? And I'm like, well, maybe uh, we'll just cut our date night out, you know. And she's like, what? That ain't happening. Or the other day I was, I was messing around with Mark, our guitar player. I was messing around with one of his guitars, and all of a sudden I was like, I need to go buy a guitar. I don't even know how to play music. I'm tone deaf. I mean, it would have been bad. Or you go out on somebody's boat, and you're like, man, I want to go buy a boat. Come on, you all do it. You know what I'm talking about. You sing, hanging around with people, and their, their things start influencing your thoughts, and all of a sudden you're like, i got to have all this stuff. Listen, in the eyes of normal people, average is exceptional. And God did not die and rise again and give his life as a ransom for many for us just to live an ordinary life. He died so that we can have an exceptional life. And the people you surround yourself with should be the people who bring out the very best in you. Should bring out the very, very best in you. And so for some of you, man, you're going to have to reset your focus when it comes to some relationships. Because they determine a lot of how you think. Listen, if those, those same people that you went to high school with are the same best friends that you have, and you all are still drinking at 30 going to a bar is thinking this is the coolest thing, you, it's, it's probably time to get some new friends. It's probably not the best life for you. It's time for us to recognize that, man, God's perspective for our lives is incredible. And he's given us responsibility to take hold of the promises that he has for us. But he's also called us to reset our focus. In 2008, there was a, there was a gentleman named Matt Emmons who was uh, in the Olympics. He's a sharpshooter on the U.S. national team. And uh, in the 2004 Olympics, he had already won gold, a gold medal in one of the events. And in his last event, he was so far ahead of the field that on his last target that he got to, all he had to do was hit the target. He didn't have to hit the bullseye. He didn't have to hit the ring around it. In fact, there's black around it. If basically, if he hits the black, he wins another gold medal. And he's so far ahead of his competition, they're not even inside at this point. And so he gets up to the target because it's you run from target to target and he lines up and he aims and he takes a deep breath And he fires at his target, and it's a bullseye. 
and he starts celebrating because he knows that, man, he's already in first place. He just had to hit the target to win. And all of a sudden, man, he is an Olympic gold medalist in two events and he is going crazy. Because he's, it's perfect. He had a perfect score for that day. But all of a sudden the judges come up to him and they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. And they pull his target forward and there's no hole in his target. And they thought, man, did he have a misfire? Did, did, you know, did something not come out of the, the, the gun? And he's like, no, I hit the target. And they pull up the target from the competitor's place next to him. And it was a perfect bullseye. He hit the wrong target and went from first place to last place. Some of you guys out there, you've allowed your life to pursue the wrong target for so long. And you've been hitting it and you've been hitting it and you're like, why is my life no different? Because you've been aiming at the wrong target. And today, instead of continuing down the path that you've been, let's make a a shift here and say, you know what? I believe that God has got something extraordinary for my life this year. And I'm gonna pursue him and pursue that and see God do something exceptional in my life. Instead of pursuing my wants and my desires, I'm gonna pursue him and his wants and his desires. And everything that I've desired will come into play.